Welcome to the 83rd episode of The Manor Podcast. I'm your co-host, Roger Bodie, joined as always with my best friend and other co-host, Michael Hamilton. Michael, you're going to be okay. I know. This is a lot of people on the podcast right now. I know it's scary, but we're going to get through this. I believe in you. How do you feel? Uh, a little bit overwhelmed. Two, two guests at once. That's that's a lot of guests, you know. I know. I know. Uh, I I I, I believe in you. We're going to get through this because we're going to talk about sorcery this episode. This is going to episode is going to be all about SorcerCon that just happened recently. We're going to get kind of the ideas behind why it happened, how it happened, when it happened, where it happened, all the great questions of how and it happened. And Zach's going to give us perspective about how he won the limited tournament and ninth bubbled the, the constructed tournament. What'd you finish there? I, I have no idea where I finished. I was four and two in constructed. I, I don't know. A where winning I record, a solid winning record. <laughs> in constructed. That's right. Yeah. Close, but no cigar. Accurate. Um, and then just to kind of awkwardly get this out of the way at the top of the podcast too. full disclosure, Michael and I have been working behind the scenes with the team at Eric Curiosa, and we are now internal play testers for them. So we can't give full, full uh, insights and kind of opinions for everything that went on, which is why we have these wonderful guests on to help us do that for us. So we don't accidentally tell them how to break any future metas that we totally know and solved. Right, Michael? Just just blink twice if you've seen all the Arthurian Legends cards. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, shoot. All right. Yes. I got questions. <laughs> there. These questions will not be answered. They will not be answered. I can tell you there's cards. There's cards in the set if that's groundbreaking news. I hope that doesn't See, that break their, my NDA. Uh, that love potion. Yeah, we could talk about that, right? It's been spoiled. Love potion, round table. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, they also showed King Arthur, right? Yeah. What does he do? What does he do, Roger? I don't know what's been I don't know. I don't know what's been spoiled. I almost rattled it off. I almost rattled it off. But I was like, wait a second. So close. I might be being duped here. Because he knows that Arthurian legends. There has to be a King Arthur, obviously. But maybe but maybe there's not, you know. You know? Merlin. Maybe they overlooked him somehow. At least while we're recording on the podcast, I will not try to trick you. Thank you. I can't promise in the future, you know, when we're testing together and stuff. I can't promise anything. I appreciate it. I'd like to keep my uh, relationship with them going, if at all possible. But uh, yeah, I'm, I, I didn't know that was official. I'm excited for you guys. That's They're awesome. Some yeah. of the best card game players I know. So that's awesome to have you on that team. Yeah, uh, I just had a chat with Simon a couple weeks ago, and uh, it's kind of an awkward time because all of their work on Arthurian Legends is done, and that's that's basically going off to print now. So we can't really give any feedback or anything like that on that set itself. So we're going to be kind of trying to help them figure out how that meta is going to shake out and maybe where they can go from there. Exciting. But back to the present day, uh, Dave, do you <laughs> We're wanna... actually talking about the past, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is a, a little bit in the past now. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk so... about uh, why you made Sorcery Con happen, Dave? Um, Hey, if you want the full backstory about it, uh, you're going to have to wait a little bit. Team Covenant is working on a documentary um, about the convention and sort of how it came to be. But I can give you the quick rundown. Um, basically, there's we're, we're really lucky in the Seattle area. There's a whole lot of uh, sorcery players around here, and we've had a really active community basically since 
the Kickstarter delivered. It's been um, just really great. We've got a whole lot of great pillars of the community up here who've been working hard to really keep the community going. So um, when Alex West uh, came around, he he actually ran a draft um, just before beta came out. And, uh, you know, I was one of the players that showed up for the draft. And after the draft, we were talking about um, like, oh, we need to have a convention. We could do something. We have enough players in this area that if we sell like 20 tickets to local players, we like rent out a place. We can, you know, we're not losing too much money at that point. And it'll be an extremely fun time. And um, yeah, maybe we'll even get some more people to join that aren't part of the regular play groups. And yeah, so we uh, we looked at, you know, I guess Alex had already booked a venue by the time uh, I joined in and started helping him, but we started looking at like pricing out and like, what all can we do at this event? Um, and uh, yeah, we, we kind of, um, we wanted to make sure we didn't lose too much money on it. So we're like, okay, let's say if we budget this, uh, where if we fill about half the capacity of the space, then um, we'll pretty much break even on, on the venture and we'll be all right. Um, and if we go over that, we can, you know, start talking about adding more stuff to the, to the convention, um, more events, more side events, that kind of thing. And, um, so we were like, okay, if we can fit about 72 people in here for a tournament that gives us about 35, 36 players is like break even point. And that'll be awesome. If we get 35 people here, that's going to be great. And so we started, um, you know, we put everything together, put the tickets on sale, and I think uh, everyone now knows, like, we probably should have aimed it higher than that because I, I might have gone if yeah. there was room. I looked at uh, my calendar and I was like, hmm. I, I, hmm. I wish we could have gotten everyone there, man. Um, it was a whole lot of fun. And yeah, we sold out tickets. We were, we were hoping to sell out tickets by the end of January and the events, you know, um, mid-February. And uh, we ended up selling out all of the tickets within a couple weeks just before Christmas. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, it, it was overwhelming. It was nuts. So there's definitely so, going to be a Sorcerer Con 2 is what I'm hearing. It'll be a little bit bigger. Don't worry. We're, we're already talking about um, how we want to move forward and awesome. uh, yeah, provide this kind of um, event that hopefully is something that'll appeal to all kinds of players. Like, yeah, we want to appeal to the more competitive minded players um, in that, you know, we want to have larger tournaments, but we also... Uh, want to have a whole bunch of side events because sorcery, like you kind of mentioned in the intro, is a it's an interesting game. It's got a really, really um, kind of diverse background of people playing it, people who have not played any TCGs in years and years, to say the least, people who have never played a competitive TCG, people who um, have never played a TCG in a game store are wow. showing up to SorceryCon and playing at SorceryCon. There were um, more than a couple of people came up to me like during the convention and they were like, hey, this is the first time I've ever been to a gaming convention. This is totally wild. This is super fun. Thanks for doing this. So like, it's it's all kind of overwhelming and we want to make sure that we don't forget like that there's a lot of those players in addition to the Zach Buns of the world. Yeah, speaking of the <laughs> Zach Buns of the world, uh, is that why you were able to just go and crush everybody the whole weekend, Zach? Because you're just this grizzled seasoned TCG veteran that's just... <laughs> there to show the rookies the ropes well he didn't win know, both man. events <laughs> what'd you say he didn't win both events so yeah that's he was, right he was going easy on folks the first day <laughs> yeah I, I i i'm i have no idea why how i won that event i just it was a miracle honestly 
but did you think the room was overall like competitively solid? Did you like feel like mm. that like newbiness in the air, or did you feel like the room was pretty adequate? Um, so I think from uh, I, I would compare it to uh, so I played a lot of not. I guess I played a lot of indie card games mm -hmm. and I played a lot of indie card games, even competitively. Um, and so like, I think back to my days playing like star Wars LCG um, and game of Thrones LCG. And you know, the big events for that would be 70 to hundred people. And the way I always felt with star Wars LCG, like I think the biggest worlds they have was 150 or something um, was that, you know, out of the 150 for that game, particularly there were probably 20 or 30 people that could win that tournament. Um, and so then like inevitably, you know, at some point in the tournament, the Swiss or the cut or whatever, you're down to just those players. Mm. And that's one of the things like a game like fab where you have a thousand person calling or a world championship with people that had to qualify and all this stuff. Um, you know, one of the differences is that at that level for that kind of event, uh, the, the average skill level is definitely higher. Um, like the floor, I guess would be a better way of saying that on skill is higher. And there's, I mean, so you have sorcery and then you have sorcery con, right? It's two really important variables here. One is sorcery in general. And I said this a lot throughout the weekend, having discussions with everybody. It's, it's the first card game I've experienced that instead of saying, here's a competitive card game and the kitchen table players can figure this out. It's here's a kitchen table card game. And if people want to be competitive about it, the competitive players will figure it out, mm -hmm. which as a competitive player, I know that's true. Uh, competitive people will find a way to compete if they really want to. Um, but obviously, like, the game itself lends, lends to a very different culture, I think, uh, than a lot of games I've played. And then the event itself, but even, I love it, right? This is a, on the stream this week, we talked about it, but this bottom-up organized play approach, which is like, hey, players, you guys can figure this out. Do, do what you want to do. Um, I didn't even know until I was in the top four finals of the, the sealed draft event that there were actually any prizes on the line. Like I, I was clueless. Um, and then, you know, someone was like, Oh, like, I think it was after I won my top eight game. My opponent Zafar was like, Oh, you get the crown sorcerer. And I was like, what? Um, and I, I didn't, I don't know. I, I like, and then I, I later found out like, that's, that's actually a somewhat hard card. And then there's like the champion card too, which is beautiful. It doesn't do anything. It just has awesome art on it. Um, so it's a long winded way of saying, uh, I was surprised at the average skill level, actually. Okay. Um, it, it didn't feel like... I, and a piece of this, too, is like how much I prepared or didn't prepare for this event. Um, <laughs> so who knows where... I don't even know where my skill level is at, right? That's that's why I, I, I'm, I've been playing card games for like 25 years, and I've been competing most of those years. It's not surprising that I'm able to win an event. Um, but I didn't go in with any expectations. Like at all and i kind of assumed i would have like an okay tournament mm -hmm. so four and two it constructed seemed about right it, it felt uh right and there were some really 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 good players in the room but the whole game is sort of feels to me unsolved and a lot of people there have played a lot of card games a lot of people are like old school magic players that played for a decade and left because a lot of reasons and then now <laughs> you know they're, they're getting back into it i won't i can't even cover all that but then there are a ton of people never been to a tournament, never been to a convention, that kind of stuff. And some of those people doing quite well. Um, so it, it felt more like the like 2010s indie TCG communities I was a part of. Um, but 
one of my favorite things was even all the way through the top eight of the draft event. Uh, again, the, the prize in here compared to, I don't know, like a fab pro tour or Colin or something is so much not the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I don't, it's just a, I, I love the fab community and I, I don't, I don't have any concerns about the competitiveness there, but like, it is definitely different. Like the, the kind of people that showed up, the experiences, even the vibe and how much fun people were having. Like it, it was a, it was a really cool event. I, I was happy to be a part of it. Awesome. And then I guess on that note though, around like the structuring of the event. So in order to have like an actual like competition, people generally have to know how the rules of that competition are going to operate. So uh, Dave, did you have like a, a magic gathering of flesh and blood have as like floor judges or people who can like make rulings or enforce the rules on different levels? Was there anything like that happening in the convention or was it just kind of the play by the no we let everyone figure it out themselves uh no no uh (laughs) we (laughs) we were um super lucky to have um several of the judges from the actual online league um that you it's never been an official eric's curious a thing but it is the largest like group of competitively minded players playing online i think um so yeah several of the the judges were um here in Seattle, either playing in the event or uh, Zach Attack uh, came in and he was just the head judge for the entire event and um, just hung out and um, absolutely killed it. Uh, I am also one of the judges in the online league, so I was there to help him, um, help back him up, you know, for um, the first day or the Saturday constructed event. But he didn't even need me. This is a 66 person event and he absolutely killed it by himself like i hardly ever had to run over and like help with another judge call so we were really really lucky to have um just a lot of very skilled uh and knowledgeable um players there folks who know the game inside and out and in many cases probably know how the game works better than eric's curiosa staff do so yeah it was awesome Fair enough. <laughs> uh were there any like contentious calls was anybody like half flowing a chaos switch like <laughs> or like, <laughs> or did you go we, by birthday cake rules? We went, we went by the birthday candle rules. Okay, um, okay. There was one player who uh, he didn't know about the birthday candle rule, and the judge had to tell him partway through it. But uh, his opponent was like, "No, dude, it's all good. Just do it again. Try it." And he, you know, he blew it a second time and blew it off the table. So like, it fizzled anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> um, fair enough. I I was both uh, surprised and really gratified to see how often people were playing chaos over at the event and everyone, whenever it happened, people were like pulling out their cameras and recording it. Like everyone seemed excited to see the card actually being played and there didn't seem to be any issues with it. Hell yeah. We didn't, didn't get any real contentious judge calls the entire event. It was great. Um, now yeah. I will say hmm. things I loved as a player, you had a chaos twister ruler so anytime Chaos Fisher was played, it'd be like, get the ruler. Yep. And, like, a judge comes, and it's like, gotta be at least a foot off the table. Yep. And then one of my, one of my favorite moments, um, and two things I want to say as a player on that uh, structure. One was just generally, I played, again, I played a good amount of sorcery. I played a lot of card games. I don't know that I've had to call a judge for a rules question more than I did for sorcery. Uh, Cause you get into these sort of, like really weird scenarios and, or, just ask people around you kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. And that's the vibe was just so, uh, and you also have the golden rule, right? Um, which yeah. is 
it's like, hey, how do we think this should work? It's like, let's just go with that, and then we can ask a judge later. That was happening a lot, um, especially in the the sealed piece, because and people would lean over from the next table asking questions because you're seeing a bunch of cards that a lot of people haven't seen, you know, hitting the table in that kind of limited format. But one of my favorite moments um, that if this happened at a, a fab event, I think fab players would riot. And I loved it. <laughs> it, it was it was it was a highlight of the event for me. So they have this microphone, this PA system. We're heading into round six of the constructed tournament, right? And so uh, with 64, 66 people, six rounds, X2 is how you get in the top eight, but there's only going to be a couple of those that make it, and the rest of the X2s like me are not going to make it. And so David gets up there on the mic, and he's like, it reminds me, it's funny, this coming weekend I'm going to see, I'm going to North Carolina to watch my favorite wrestler ever's final wrestling match, Sting. Um <laughs> grew up a wrestling fan so it reminds me of when like a a a wrestler or a referee would run into a match to stop something from happening so he gets on the mic and he's like listen round six we're gonna have no draws like you can't intentionally draw you can't run out the clock and get a draw he's like i'm not having this happen there's not going to be people missing the top eight because two people up this up the field Took a draw and like we're mid tournament. Like this is not. I don't know if it was in the tournament rules that got posted. It, it was in the tournament rules. I just was reiterating it for the event. And, and <laughs> he's just laying down the law, and it's yeah. like, oh, okay. And and everyone was just like, cool, okay. Yeah, I'm gonna go play my game now. Uh, so, anyways, I just yeah. I just love that moment. That feeling was great. Okay. Yeah, I, I try not to spring something like that on people without any warning. But you know, if I put it in the rules document, I posted the rules document, and you didn't read it. It's on you. <laughs> you get to hear me announce it live. But I, I think you could have sprung that on people and it would have been fine. Like I, the vast majority yeah. of people were just there to get games of sorcery and they wouldn't pull those shenanigans. I, I will tell you that um, the vast majority of the people there uh, did not know until I said that there were no draws <laughs> allowed, <laughs> that there were no draws allowed. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, cool. I, I mean, the community was like the whole vibe in the room the entire time was great. Um, the sealed event, especially like we had folks, um, like pull a 10 year old kid pulled the avatar of earth sketch curio and like the room exploded. And, you know, I, I think both of you guys were playing fab back in, uh, the tales of Aria days, but it, it had that, that same feeling of being at the tales of Aria pre-release in Vegas, where like anytime someone cracked a fable, like the entire room just like broke up in applause and like everyone was freaking out. And yeah, it was just great to be able to recapture that. That's awesome. So as the most competitively accomplished person on the <laughs> podcast, Michael, do you have any questions as far as, or things that you noted as far as like the metagame or deck lists or anything you want to ask Zach about the game? Uh, I was curious about the metagame. Were, were people just kind of like, were they just playing the cards they liked the most? Or were people like, I think this deck's really good and that's why I want to play it? Did, uh, from my perspective, I think, let's say there were 66 people. Okay. I bet 50 of the 66, if you walked up to them and said, what's your favorite sorcery card? They would tell you that card. And then you would say, is that card in your deck? And they would say, <laughs> yes, even if it's not a particularly good card. Um, but I do think, you know, there are probably 10 or 15 people there that are like killers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like competitive, uh, not, not necessarily a problem, but like. They've obviously played a lot, and they're here. They're here to ball. Yep. <laughs> they're, they're here to play the game. Um, but yeah, I think the the meta was really is really wild. Like 
I don't know the top eight breakdown, but the the num I played six rounds and I played against five different avatars. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I will say I think you were fairly lucky. Not in you know you you got a variety of matchups there. Um, the top eight for the constructed event we did have four death speakers. Uh, obviously, they didn't make it to the finals. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I think everyone was prepared for that death speaker build, and the competitive players were building against it, and it was paying off. Basically, yeah, I, I think particularly the competitive, more competitive players not on Death Speaker were ready to play against Death Speaker. Absolutely, that's good. And also, I will tell you that uh, I know of at least one uh, one local who went four and two during the constructed event, um, who like he's he's a, a casual hardcore player is kind of how I'd put it. He's very experienced. He's been playing Magic since Alpha and Beta, and uh, but he he wants to play decks that are fun. And he was running his like root spider and uh, uh, devil's egg deck and like went four and two against, you know, an actually fairly competitive group. So, That's great. yeah. Yeah, uh, four out of eight of the top eight being death speaker makes sense to me. Um, but it also makes sense to me then if the people were prepared for that deck, uh, because I believe it won the last couple sorcery tournaments that were ran. I know it won Gen Con and I know it won the most recent sorcery league beating the Enchantress, but uh, yeah, there was no Enchantress in the top eight, right? No, there was no Enchantress in the top eight. I, I've got thoughts about both of those things. Um, I think <laughs> with the way sorcery works, especially um, the way the meta is sitting right now, player skill is far, far more important than avatar selection. And, um, you know, talking about the last league, uh, the, the, it was actually a tournament of champions, like interstitial thing that they did where the best players from the league round did a, um, elimination bracket and yeah, it was death speaker and, uh, enchantress, but the enchantress was being played by Zalem, uh, from discord, who is probably the most experienced and best sorcery player in the world right now. And, um, the, uh, death speaker was being played by Ira who, you know, used to be an Eric's Curious employee and is extremely experienced running crazy death speaker lists. So it's no surprise to me that those two made it. I don't think that any player, even an experienced death speaker player, could pick up Ira's death speaker list and run it to the top of a sorcery con like size event. Um, it's the the player skill, the player familiarity with the deck is right now still a huge, huge thing, and there's a ton of variety in the meta. Okay, that's good. So there's no cards that you would say that are like problematic or taking over the game. Like I know the elements at the moment aren't necessarily the most balanced <laughs> water, um, but uh, <laughs> at least the, the, of the decks that are competitively viable, nothing's like problematically uh, too good. You would say. Uh, my, Zach, Zach. Yeah. Yeah. So I still think that the even with just one set, it's a large set. I think the meta is so unexplored and I think it's really easy for a deck. Like, like the first time you play against a, t a truly tuned deck, it has so many advantages just from being tuned. But at the end of the day, like if let's say death speaker is the best deck, uh, which I don't necessarily think it is, but let's just say it is. Um, you know, there's a part of a perception reality piece here, which is, that doesn't mean there's not answers to Death Speaker. Mm -hmm. And so if Death Speaker is the best deck and going to be popular, um, that should make uh, certain other cards good or certain other avatars good. 
so then you start painting a picture of the meta and i, I don't think it's like and as far as i've seen i don't think there's any deck that's like 90 10 most of the time right or like something like that it, it may be like 60 or 65 or it may be advantaged into people that don't know how to play against this specifically because i think the first time you play against like an enchantress that's good or a death speaker you're just at a severe disadvantage and i feel this way about a lot of fab decks too where it's like you know uh hamilton and i were recently testing uh, some games this past weekend of fab and uh he's playing a deck i'd never played against and it was like oh that's how that thing works that's and fab is is so tightly wound that one or two points of value is usually the difference between the game between two tuned decks two high level players but sorcery also there's an there's a level of variance that is built into the game intentionally and i think it does a lot to close the skill gap and then also the uh you know avatars are probably going to be the biggest problems if there's going to be a problem because okay. it's the thing that is just always on the board um reminds me of the, you know the hero or the equipment or a weapon in fab um versus it, because of the way unique rarity system works even the elites it's just so unreliable that you'll see that stuff uh and that's part of what makes the death speaker so good is anything you get you can see again to get that uh you know interplay effect the genesis ability but you can't count on seeing devil's egg, right? <laughs> or whatever your unique of choice is, um, or your elites of choice, uh, versus, you know, if a game go if fab goes on for a decent bit, you're probably going to see whatever, you know, playing combo Bolton, uh, kind of a thing, <laughs> Roger. Um, so I, I don't know. And there, there's not a lot of outside, like common sense. There's not a lot of tutoring. Um, there's not a lot of recursion. There's not a lot of interrupts or actions, so they can't do that kind of busted stuff. So anyways, and you have also have the site variants and which site you're going to see. Um, all that to say, I think there's a healthy amount of variance that even if a card were a traditional problem, it's probably not actually a problem in sorcery. And then when it does hit the table, it's like this unique, crazy thing that does a crazy thing and everyone's happy about it. But also... Yeah. You've got this unique, crazy thing in your deck that can also happen. Mm. And if you don't, then I don't know what you're doing anyway. Like, <laughs> that's just kind of kind of the game, right? And like, it's not, it's nowhere near as tightly wound as Fab intentionally, I think. Yeah. Um, so most games, Death Door is one of the most genius mechanics uh, there is. It creates this natural tension point and like, can you get me? And it does a lot uh, for this game to make it feel closer than it it probably was on paper. But I, I think that that variance does a good number on, on preventing things from being overly busted. And, and just the, the interplay of uh, it's, it's hard. It's so fundamental. The game is so fundamental in terms of building board advantage, right? Resource advantage, table advantage, making good trades. Um, anyways, I, I don't get that sense, but there, there probably is. It, it reminds me of... Um, the you know death speaker winning gen con he was probably on a more tuned death speaker deck than anyone's seen at that point so he's just naturally going to win like 95 percent of his games mm -hmm. um that doesn't mean death speaker's a problem it just means that the rest of the game hasn't caught up to him yet fair enough okay any yeah. other questions from michael oh sorry dave or did you have oh, to that? i was just gonna say uh the closest thing sorcery has to a, a problematic card i think uh is sorcerer itself the card draw from Sorcerer is insane in a game that doesn't have card draw. Um, I'm not sure it's a problem, but it's probably the closest thing to keep an eye on. I uh, I have a take on this, actually. Hmm. 
I don't disagree necessarily. Okay. But I will say that. So for the first, I don't know, five or six turns, you're pretty much just playing sites. Yeah. So Sorcerer is effectively blank for five or six turns. Um, so I actually, I played Avatar of Earth, side note. Um, obviously, I didn't win the tournament. So <laughs> who's, whose opinion should you be trusting? But Avatar of Earth's ability, while I'm also still just tapping, it's like turn three or four a lot of times, I'll grapple shot into my opponent and hit them for a lot of damage. And then instead of playing a side, I'll swing again for a bunch of damage. So um, I found like with Avatar of Earth into Sorcerer as an example, um, and and I lost to, uh, it was Gilbert that won the tournament, right? Um, yeah. I lost to him in the Swiss. He was one of my losses, the guy that won the tournament. Um, and it was a close game. It was a super, super close game. It was one of my favorites from the weekend. Um, and, but for the first six turns, he's he's blank. And so I'm kind of playing a rushy Avatar of Earth deck that I'm getting value out of early. And I need to fit, the longer that game goes on, the more he's advantaged. Uh, and so I don't know if Sorcerer is a problem. And they're, they're, Sorcerer won the tournament, but there were a lot of other Avatars in that top eight. Um, and even at the X and two record that weren't Sorcerer. And again, who knows? It's it's unexplored. It's, it's yeah. the floor on Sorcerer is high because card draw is always good in a game about cards. Um, but if you can make use out of the ability in that first six turns, that's that's how I think you get the advantage over the sorcerer. So it needs to be really good because he's banking on turns six through twelve. Yeah, hap- even happening. <clears throat> I will say that um, every form of mana ramp that they end up adding to the game shortens the the warm up time for sorcerer. Right, so yep. he doesn't have to wait till turn six if he drew two of his cores <laughs> on the after his mulligan or whatever. Right. Um, but so. he also used two cards to play the course, so now he's down two cards. Yeah, that's true. I'm just, I'm just it's, you know, it, but uh, he them one. Okay, okay. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> well, anyone's fallen like, to ban sorcerer here, but yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it just costs a card to get that. True, right? It does. So like, yeah. yeah but you're you're not wrong. I'm. It it, <laughs> it speeds you up, but also like you do you had to, you could have had any other card in your hand anyway, instead of that card. Yeah. You could have been an Avatar of Earth or a Battle Mage and use that turn to just beat your opponent down. <laughs> okay. Um, anything else from you, Michael? I do think it was... Sorry, I, I think jumping back quite a bit, it was really interesting yeah. what you said about like people that are playing against decks and they haven't seen people do things with decks before. I, I think I watched the finals of that tournament where uh, it was the Death Speaker versus the Enchantress deck and the way that that Ira was positioning sites to play around the Enchantress wanting to put their auras on like the, the four things. But then if one of the corners is in the void, you can't animate it or it just dies. I'm just like, this is crazy. There's so many like complex interactions happening here. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the game, it's one of those games that, you know, it starts off on the surface. It looks like fairly straightforward and simple. And then it, you just keep looking and it keeps getting deeper and deeper. The whole, like there's, all sorts of theory about site play and the correct um, location to be playing sites and how to play sites aggressively or defensively that you can play the the game for years in a kitchen table setting and never, ever worry about, never see. But it's there if you want to really like dive that deeply into the game. For sure. And we even see that in our games, Michael, where we're still, I don't think we played a game yet where we're just like, oh yeah, this, we know how every single interaction between all these cards at work 
I, you know, no questions here. Like even today in our games, we were like, how does this work? And we're like, got to figure this out now. <laughs> I, I, I also remember turn two of our game. I went in the tank for like 30 seconds. I'm like, do I put, do I place the site forward or do I place it to the side? I wasn't sure what to do. Yeah, it's a big, it's decision. A big decision though a lot of times. It yeah. matters yeah. a lot. It does, yeah. And then, yeah, I guess for mattering a lot and balancing for sites, uh, if we want to talk about limited and how you felt uh, sealed and draft went, because uh, I definitely have some pretty strong opinions between how the basic land system works in limited at the moment. I want to hear Zach's take on this. Yeah, I definitely have a take. So <laughs> I, the the basic lands. Uh, so the the sealed or I guess the limited tournament was sealed six rounds, cut to top eight draft, and in both formats you um, at least at this tournament you could use the basic lands from each element, and then you could use sorcerer and you could also use the precon avatars okay. if you so chose, mm-hmm. for some reason. <laughs> the, um, it, it's all of the avatars that show up in that token slot in the back of packs, so yeah. uh, the land slot basically. Um, so I, I think the basic abilities on those basic sites is like super good, uh, free resource, a free one health blocker, uh, from a simple village guy. And then also the free damage from the red sites. Yeah. And, uh, there's a fourth <laughs> element, right? I forget. Um, Don't worry about it. <laughs> I, I think it's like. Uh, great. No, it's bluish. Yeah, yeah. Water. I've never seen it in play in a limited game before, so don't worry about it. <laughs> the so, worst part is that site has the best, I think, uh, ability of the like interplay. Well, air is probably better, but being able to scry your deck, that's just good, right? If that was on a different element, so. <laughs> so, the three of us are like, eh. All right. <laughs> things, that, things that affect the board is very, very powerful. And that's it doesn't, fair. It doesn't affect the board. <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. And it's definitely so, more of a constructed card because obviously in constructed, when you're trying to dig for those uniques, then that gets a bit yeah. uh, way better. But when you're just playing a limited deck full of like two threes, it doesn't really matter what you're putting <laughs> to the top yeah. or bottom. So, so because you get to play these basics, my, and so we did a, um, we just did the, for the first time, we used to do a lot of gameplay videos where we do commentary and we have like a, a score on the screen and cards and all kinds of crazy stuff. So we filmed the finals of the constructed event and the limited event and we're we're we just recorded the commentary on on those finals we also filmed me actually drafting in the top eight uh which is cool that's sick and steven and i were just commentating as i'm going through and making all my picks and stuff um and it my my limited thesis is that i start out with the idea that i'm going to play four air four earth and four fire sites and then i'll adjust that based on what's in my sealed pool or what I draft. Um, and a lot of times I end up on like a five, four, three or like a six, three, three. And then you can basically aggressively mulligan to shape it. However you need it to be shaped. Um, especially on the sides. And if you know what the bottom two sides of your site deck are, like it really di- dictates a lot of what you're doing. And a lot of times in limited, you're going to p- get to five or six sites on the table. Like, it's just going to happen. So if you mulligan two, you kind of know you're going to end up seeing, you know, see three, so five. And then if you see four more, you're going to see seven, eight, nine of your sites kind of thing out of 12. Anyways, so if you start there, because those those abilities are just so powerful. Um, and then 
I I actually this is the first game I've ever said this sentence about. I think I like the sealed environment more than the draft environment. Um, and I, it's because the floor on sealed decks is a lot higher. Yeah, I agree. In draft, the floor and ceiling are like crazy. Um, and it's so easy just to have somebody pass you like a, a bomb or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Or just like, you know, you, you, open a pack and there's no no bombs and it's like all water cards and you're just like <laughs> what am i doing here uh or you're in a bad seat right like there's just a lot of like i i've had some really bad drafts happen in sorcery whereas yeah there are some seal pools that are really crazy good um but if i had to like scale of one to ten i think most seal pools are like six to eight and some are like nines or tens and some are bad but rarely are they just strictly bad because it's just, again, just fundamental making trades. You, you're going to have creatures. You're going to have some removal spells. Mm-hmm. You're going to have land. Um, anyways, so the if you, I start with that theory, and then I really enjoy sealed. Uh, and I think there's a lot of skill expression that happens because it is just so fundamental. And can you make like really weird cards that you've never seen synergize and work and somehow make trades that are you know in your favor and do you know what your bombs are and, and how to play around that and stuff but i do think particularly the draft format um if you if the base locations you had access to didn't have abilities um it would probably be uh, it's tough to say it would be better uh because sometimes having access to those guaranteed abilities on the sites is sort of what makes a seal pool work <laughs> Um, but anyways, I, I really enjoy, uh, limited formats in pretty much every game I play. And so the sealed, sealed particularly, um, I don't know. I, I, I find it super enjoyable and we've, we've done a lot of sealed. Um, we did a, uh, kind of like a 10 hour, uh, company our lead developer is remote and he came in from out of town and we just had like a team wide jam session. <laughs> And that was like, awesome. it's just so fun. Every seal pool felt so different. Every deck felt so, even we play two or three of the game with the same deck and it just can feel wildly different. Um, and then you're on Sorcerer. So like most of the time you're on a 25 card deck, you're going to see most of your cards. And I think that's also really important. Like what you mulligan sets it up for the late game. And then also if you want to see it in limited particular, I think you can see it in constructed. You lose too fast. Like, you're not going to get to see nearly as many cards most of the time. Um, so I, I really enjoy that. And it is kind of, you have to be scrappy. And I just love that, like that feeling. That's Did, my, uh, was there ever any issue in all of your sealed play with just like not having enough, like, or like in flesh and blood, it's called fatigue where you just run out of actual like cards and deck that has that ever happened to you? Cause I've had a couple of limited games go like that now, but I didn't know how prevalent that was in your experiences now. I have not had that happen. Okay. Neither I don't know if I. I've had that happen ever. Oh, no. Um, I, I did have a sealed game uh, last Friday that uh, I got to the last card in my spell book, but I still had plenty of sites in my atlas, so I wasn't in danger of losing the game to fatigue. Um, but yeah, that's, in my experience, very rare. Maybe Michael and I just opened a lot of lip uh, removal, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, that's, or, that's yeah. possible. Could also be a playstyle thing. True. Where we're both like fairly defensive in nature in card games. I don't know what you're talking about, Michael. I'd never be defensive. 
That's very rude of you to say that. Yeah. Well, you, you know me. I'm I'm usually a very defensive control player. Uh, in the <laughs> <that I'm into. laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I've built that brand around myself. Um, but I, I think you know it's just so a lot of times. Hypothetically, like in, in my seal pool, I think I had uh, one or two Amazon warriors. But like you play that air site to get up to the the resource that you need to put the warriors down. You play it, and it's like there's there's only so many cards that actually just remove that card straight up. Right. Um. And so I play it, and like if you don't have something, sometimes I just like start smacking you for five, <laughs> two or three turns in a row, right? And there's mm-hmm. not like a so there's there's moments, and then I. I think the main thing and, and the finals from the draft event, if I do say so myself, uh, we just did the commentary on that it was, it's really wild to watch. And like, I, I would be curious to get your take if you watch me draft and then like, how in the heck do you even win with this deck? Um, <laughs> and it's just that there's some wild stuff going on, uh, which is, is kind of cool to see, but it's been impressive to, to watch just how creative plays can get with some of these cards together that you would never consider for constructed. So I feel that way in constructed a lot of times. I'm still, you guys are talking earlier about interactions that you've never quite seen before. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. in the sealed tournament, it was just like even crazier because most, you know, in sealed a lot of times I'm on three elements, which is not normal and constructed. I'm on cars that I just have to be on. Uh, one of my favorite cards from my draft deck was flanking maneuver, which I would never play in constructed. But that card was a bomb in so, that game. Lots of nights. Is that the night move draw card? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's a. It's you just wait. Wait till you see the game. It's a beautiful card. Beautiful card. <laughs> cool. Um, but yeah, I, I I do agree that you had touched on this briefly with the sites having their their dynamic disparities in power level. That there should be something that should be done for limited play. Um, I think that's something that the team is well aware of and it's something that Michael and I have even been in discussions for. So I just want to let you guys know that like it, it's not lost on us that I think that everybody on Eric's Kuros and knows that like water is very bad and limited and it's not really something that they want to have happening going forward. I haven't signed an NDA, so I can speculate about this, but there have been hints dropped that, uh, yeah, in Arthurian Legends, the sites are going to be more geared towards limited play. So we'll probably be seeing sites that just have threshold on them. I don't know. Again, I'm just speculating. Who knows? Yeah, it it would make a lot of sense to me if you, if the base sites were just base sites that provide a threshold. Yeah. Um, Because like water has everything going against it that's also why draft is so tough when you just have you'll see it you have to be the water video it's like (laughs) i get past a pack of six cards left and it's all water cards and it's like (laughs) okay so there's six of us are going to get just a dead draw basically besides the one person that decided to play water and they're probably going to lose their top eight game anyway (laughs) um because because water is so synergistic with itself right you need so much water going on and it's so even in draft it's hard to do so it, it almost reminds me of, um, you know, a fab limited format where uh, I'm trying to think of a good example, but like there's just a, a hero that's like. It'd probably be if you ever drafted Arcane Rising and then like there were just like six <laughs> wizard cards left in the pack and it's just like, well, how do I ever do this? And the one Kano player is just like, yes, I'm feasting. Yeah. 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 
and in any any fat format when like (laughs) (laughs) when there's like one class that's just not actually draftable it creates a lot of problems right um so the more you have this and that's what makes the other elements work is like the more you can play all of it the better um so there's two problems one the base sites you have access to are just so good right so if water cards are dead if the base sites in the site pack don't do anything for you and if the other sites in the pack aren't even actually that draftable because it's like would I rather have a free one cost card on my earth site or draft this, you know, elite insert name of site here. Um, you know, even like a, some cards I consider super good, like Rift Valley. Um, I, I don't think I would, I would ever draft that. Like I will always choose a body over that. Um, so you just end up with like a lot of undraftable cards mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't feel like, uh, that's why I think I enjoy the sealed format so much better because I think you could get into some water shenanigans in sealed uh, if you had the right cards show up. But drafting, it, in particular, it does not feel like the set was necessarily balanced around that. That's, and that's okay. Yeah. That's that's totally okay. Uh, and again, none of this matters. It's just a kitchen table game. You can do whatever you want, right? Um, and even this tournament, it's like it's not like there's a hundred thousand dollars on the line or something. Um, you know, I see that big check back there, Hamilton. <laughs> uh, that's at Sorcery Con too. I thought Sorcery Con too was the hundred k. No, uh, yeah, if I end up with a hundred k, I'm I I don't know if I'm throwing a convention with that hundred k. <laughs> well, that's kind of the beautiful thing for uh, if there's no official organized play, no support. You know, you guys can create the Sorcery High Rollers League, and there's no like, no, no, don't do that. You can just have like ten k entries, and it's just like Zach Bunn shows up with his ten k entry, and Michael Hamilton shows up with his ten k. Oh no, we can't compete <laughs> How- competitively now, Michael. Oh no, we can't play in this ten k yeah. entry event. Oh yeah, that oh. unlucky. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> you can't compete in official events, right? But what if it's just like. No so rules here, man. Uh, <laughs> that's a really good question. You can totally play at Sorcery Con. This is the Wild West, dude. Yeah, no dude. one cares. We yeah. just want you there playing. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, honestly, that is true. Like, maybe you know, I'm not going to no have the ten thousand dollar rule <laughs> that says we can't because we didn't make an official rule. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like Eric's Curiosa. Yeah. Then <laughs> there's no official rule stopping us. We could take all of our insider knowledge and crush Michael because we totally have everything <laughs> solved and broken every single meta deck, right? But you still don't have access to the other cards yet, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Definitely happening. Go ahead, Michael. I, I I don't know. I think, like, if the tournaments are not for very much stakes and it doesn't feel like we're taking advantage of insider information by being there playing or extra knowledge that we would have. But I think that is really uh, still kind of a gray area. Yeah. So. I was thinking if we ever went to a sorcery con, we'd set up like a little side booth area, like play a tester and then people could come up and like battle us for a boosty pack and meet us and have a good time that way. But like, I don't know. Sure. I mean, kind of like how LSS people did that for a while. Maybe they still do it. I, <laughs> I think the vibe of the community would be it doesn't matter what you've been testing or what you know or what you've seen. Just show up and play and participate. Like everybody says that until Michael yeah. Hamilton walks through the door. Everybody the is, <laughs> and they're like, not, Oh no, why did this guy show up and play and walk through the door? <laughs> yeah. But even then I just don't think I, I really don't know how much it even matters. Like it 
I, I will say that several people who competed at SorceryCon are also testers um, for Curiosa. Okay. And none of them Heck, made it to the top I, eight. <laughs> I, uh, I drafted um, at Gen Con and played Ira in the finals. Oh, no, I played yeah. Steven in the finals. I played Ira in the second round and beat Ira. And uh, I had no idea what I was doing. So <laughs> I think that's just the built-in variance, you know, uh, yeah. of the game. But I don't, I, I, I don't put a lot of stock in in that matter. And, and it, there's just no stakes. You know, it, it is different if there's you had to qualify and there's tons of money and stuff on the line. But like, I don't know, man, I, if you were at SorcerCon, I think more players would be disappointed. If you were just sitting there not playing than if you were actually just participating. That's fair. Yeah. Hmm. You got to at least play like a four player game or something. Something crazy. Yeah. Like you can't or, just sit on the side yeah. and do nothing. We're really I haven't interested. played a four player game. Yeah, yet. we haven't we haven't done that yet. Oh, yeah, you gotta give it a Te- shot. Yeah. Team <laughs> tournaments are the best. Yeah, we're really yes. interested in getting that uh going, basically. Like it just seems like a really interesting idea. Because if you're having a kitchen table game, like having a four player arena match just seems like all the better to get more people involved in it. Yeah. Hundred percent. The like community developed one that uh, the Seattle community has put together is a whole lot of fun. And yeah, it's it's super awesome. Zach, have you played the four player yet? I I have not played the four player yet, but we brought home that a four player mat, and uh, I'm very excited to play. I, I like the John John is yeah. our uh, resident video design guru, and he was the one shooting the documentary while we were there, um, doing the hard work while I was over goofing around playing games of sorcery. But he did. He was able to sneak in. A, uh, I think he played twice. Two of the four-player games, where you sat across from someone and they were on your team, and you like have shared mana pools, but you have your own hand, and then you know you're functioning, and they're passing rolling boulders back and forth to each other. Tromp, <laughs> that sounds bad. <laughs> you take four damage. Um, <laughs> but it, well, it's like you send it across the realm and it hits everything, and then you move a unit. I move uh, my unit yeah. over to you know, do my thing or whatever, yeah. teleport it or whatever it is. Uh, but he would, he would actually, he literally did not stop talking about that format. Like his teammate was a random person that he met uh, and they really vibed together. And then the format and the, like the way it played. And I love, I love, 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 love team tournaments. I wish every game ever would do more with team tournaments. I wish there were more fab team tournaments. I wish there were everything team tournaments. Uh, if I, if I were choosing, team tournaments or one heads up tournaments. I, if I had the choice every time, I don't think I'd ever play a one-on-one tournament ever again. Um, that's how, that's how much I like team tournaments. Um, and sorcery is like perfect for it. So it, they're just way more social. And like, you always have someone that you're like, enjoy being around with you mm. and it breaks a lot of the tension and then being on teams fun. Like yeah. it's just a different vibe. Uh, losing and winning is better together. So anyways, I'm big t- a team tournament proponent. If you're out there listening and you're organizing events, add team tournaments, add team tournaments, add yep. team tournaments. I, I'm right there with you, Zach. Like, uh, I love the team format. Like, that, uh, the, what was that, the calling in Vegas for, um, Diane, uh, which set? The fab set. Uh, Uprising. Uprising. <laughs> that was it. That team tournament was so, some of the most fun I've ever had playing fab. It was great. Um, and I really, really wanted to do some team tournament shenanigans for sorcery con, but we also like Alex and I are just two people and we were planning it and we were like, we got to be realistic about what we can do (laughs) with this first, first event here. Let's, uh, let's keep it like reasonable and maybe sorcery con too. You'll be playing, uh, just team tournaments all the way up. 
Sorcery Con 2 for 2v2. Exactly. Ooh, two <laughs> Sorcery, two Furious. Put it on the box. <laughs> Ship it. Ship it. it. <laughs> uh, now I'm excited. We got to make a road trip over to the Team Covenant studio and get some 2v2 Covenant v Manor Dude, sorcery battles going. That's like. A- I want to see this on stream. I need to see we, this. Uh, we we can- might. We might try to give you a reason to come to Oklahoma at some point soon. Good. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. I, we're in. And Michael, we can use all of our insider knowledge now to beat them up. It'll be great. <laughs> Dropping love uh-huh. potions on them uh-huh. left and right. Yeah, and King Arthur. <laughs> and Merlin and Guinevere. They're all out there. <laughs> all right. Anything, uh-huh. any final thoughts from you, Dave? Any final conclusions thoughts musings <laughs> uh it has been quite a trip just um seeing this sorcery convention go from uh, a crazy plan to a whole bunch of people getting excited for it to a whole bunch of people literally flying from everywhere in the country to seattle to hang out with us for a weekend and play games it's just been just an amazing experience for me personally. And uh, yeah, I, I want to thank everyone who attended and everyone who uh, played and made it such an awesome and memorable event. It was, it was incredible. Um, and I'm still getting over it. <laughs> I'm still exhausted. I believe it. How about you, Zach? Are you ready to transition back into the grindy fab muckmire for the pro tour? Or do you wish you're still in sorcery con? <laughs> Oh, a little both. Uh, this past weekend, you know, I started getting back, dipping my toes back into the fab world. And it, uh, again, team team stuff is just great. Hanging out with uh, the Wolfpack testing this weekend was really uh, great. I saw your comment, Michael, about feeling the same way. Uh, yeah. Really, really nice. It's it's nice. Uh, but, you know, I, I'd say David and Alex, uh, kudos to you guys for putting on that event. It was very well run. It was awesome. I think the vibe there was great. Um, if you're listening to this and you don't already play Sorcery, haven't checked Sorcery out, um, I can't recommend it highly enough. Um, it's a really great, I know you guys mostly cover fab, um, kind of like if you're in that boat and you're playing fab all the time, it's a really incredible secondary TCG only one set a year. You definitely don't need a lot the way the rarity and the variance works and stuff. Um, the pre-cons for this game are some of the best pre-cons I've ever seen a game put out. Super fun, uh, very evocative. I always describe it as like, it's like a 90s card game with modern sensibilities. Um, it's just doing things that other card games don't. And I think it's a really nice palette cleanser. I think the kind of people that it's speaking to is very different than a traditional TCG. And so as someone who's been in the industry a long time and, and cares about this hobby uh, immensely, it's really cool to see that, uh, to see the kind of people that can be served in this kind of bottom-up organized play approach that is putting it to the players to figure out what they want to do. And honestly, just this um, you know joy of people being able to get together in the flesh and blood and play these games uh, across the table. So uh, huge, huge fan of Eric's Curiosa, the publisher of the game. Worth checking out. Uh, it doesn't, and you know, if you don't want a super serious all-the-time game, it's a great game. If you want it to be that game for you, I think it can be. Um, but anyways, love this game, love the community. It was really cool. That was the first like in-person sorcery, big event that I've done. And it was definitely unique. Uh, the documentary would be cool that we're putting out about it. It's going to take a little bit to do, but like, this is a different vibe of a game, uh, from head to toe. And it's cool to see that. I think diversity is good. And I think this is going to appeal to a lot of people that, uh, aren't traditionally into uh, a super competitive organized play, heavy top 
you know, from top down approaches. So uh, thanks again, David and Alex for putting it on and uh, Roger and Michael, of course, uh, thank you guys for having us and thank you for continuing to do what you do. I know uh, creating content takes a lot of work and time and effort and community creators like you guys are the heartbeat of these communities. So keep doing it. Uh, and if you're out there listening and you haven't told Michael and Roger in a minute <laughs> that you love what they're doing and appreciate them, uh, do it. Yeah. Really it means Michael's the world. Ego. Absolutely. That's yeah. the most important part here is keeping his ego yeah. high. Yeah. Also just include how attractive you think they are and how smart they are and how successful and how envious you are of their lifestyles, testing <laughs> games and going to tournaments and, you know, flying all over to play games, you know, that whole thing now, but really, uh, thank you guys. Um, I know you're a, you're a huge uh, treasure to the fab community and a uh, great friend. So love to see you guys continue to do this. Happy to be on whenever. And thanks for inviting me to be here. Thanks Zach. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And thanks for the kinds of words, Zach. Do you want to try to top those final words, Michael? Or are you good? Uh, Oh, I did have something I wanted to say, and then Zach about about sorcery. So I'm like, I'm ready to go watch Zach's top eight draft. I'm ready to watch the finals. And then he said all the really touching stuff, and I'm like, oh, thanks, Zach. <laughs> so you don't That's want to say that? Okay. You're just excited for all the sweet sorcery content that he's producing. Yeah. Uh, to be clear, I'm not producing almost anything. I just uh, recorded the commentary, but uh, Stephen and mostly John doing the the editing and production. Um, and he's okay. a wizard of that stuff. I, I'm excited. The pandemic, we started streaming a lot. And so we're kind of getting back into produce video world. Uh, and I'm, it's cool to do it. Uh, it's cool to be back in. And I'm excited to share that. I think I think those games are worth watching uh, if you're out there and you're curious. That's also a good place to start if you're if you've never heard of sorcery and you just want to check out what, you know, higher level sorcery looks like. But even though I don't even know what that means at this point. <laughs> Should uh, definitely watch the what was it uh, 12 hour uh, beta launch live stream team covenant <laughs> did that is the perfect way to get a crash course in sorcery that's a long piece of content i don't know about all that <laughs> yeah for sure and uh i imagine the gameplay just gets better and better as time goes on right that's just one of those things as you get more experience over the course of the stream you guys just keep making less and less mistakes it's this perfect place yeah <laughs> I think about 10 and a half hours in, we had a charcuterie board and some, I don't remember if it was beer or wine or what, but that's, that's really when it went right off the, the cocktail edge. showed up and then, <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> well, the next time you're learning how to play sorcery at a very high level with team company, always remember.